So good to be with you. Welcome. I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. We are uh, taking a one-week break from our series through the book of Exodus uh, because we wanted to talk a little bit about this coming year and our vision as a church and what we believe God's put in front of us. And so we're going to take a break uh, from Exodus to look at Psalm 1 as our guide and talk about some uh, practical steps and ministry initiatives, things we're going to be doing here in the next year that we wanted you to be aware of. I want to share the vision for that a little bit. So you can turn to Psalm 1, and if you need a Bible, there are some on the seats in front of you, or if you have a phone, a device, a Bible app, go ahead and uh, join us in Psalm 1 now. And I, uh, while you do that, uh, will pray for us as we get ready to jump in, all right? Father, we thank you for the gift of another day. And not just any day, Lord, a Sunday where we can come together as a church family and sing to you and pray to you and look to your word. And God, we thank you that you've drawn us here. You've invited us. And we ask, Lord, that you just bless our time together. Uh, Would you help us understand your word by your spirit? Would you open our eyes and ears to uh, receive from you, to understand what we read, to apply it to our lives? Uh, God, we give you this time and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm always a little impatient when something I'm excited about is around the corner. Not always the most patient person. I can remember growing up playing sports, whether it was basketball or water polo or soccer, and the season would begin usually with a couple weeks of practice. I don't know you remember that. You start the season, there's a couple weeks of practice, and then the first game or the first tournament would always be a little bit further out. And so you're, you're playing, but you're just preparing and learning the playbook and learning what you're supposed to be doing as a team. And it was always difficult for me because I don't want to get to the games. I don't want to get to the tournament. I want to jump in. But there was that season of preparation, of planning, of learning, so that we'd be ready for what was ahead. I've talked a little bit about our foster care journey as well, and that was similar, where we were ready to get started. We sensed God leading us that direction. It was like, great, we'll make a couple phone calls, we'll get the fridge full of food, we'll buy some diapers, and they'll drop a kid off at our door. Like, let's do this thing. But it turns out, it doesn't happen that fast. You have to go through preparation and training and planning and getting the house ready and doing interviews and all kinds of paperwork. There's, there's a season of preparation and planning. In so many areas of our lives work this way, whether it's school, education, training, uh, job preparation, there are seasons where we are not actively doing the things we hope to do. We're preparing for them. We're getting ready. It's a season of growth. And we wanted to talk about this a little bit as a church because this conviction has kind of set the course for our year ahead, where we say we want to see impact in our life with Jesus. We want to see results. We want to see fruit. We want to see impact in our community. We want to see change. We want to see the gospel uh, impact and transform our lives even more, and we want to see the gospel transform our community. And sometimes we expect that change to happen really quickly. We expect it overnight. We expect it abruptly. And like we talked about 
last week, sometimes there are these, these moments of transformation where God steps in and changes our hearts or our circumstances in a, in a big, clear way rather quickly. But often, often in the Christian life, those moments, those seasons of impact and growth and fruit come after a season of preparation, after a time where God works in us and changes us and prepares us for what is ahead. And so as we thought about this year, as a staff, we've been thinking and praying, and, and initially we were thinking, we want to do more in the go category, right? If we have these four core commitments as a church, worship, connect, grow, go, we thought, what if this year we get really intentional about going, about evangelizing, about sharing the gospel in our neighborhood, about having an impact outside of our walls, doing more outreach, more events in this category. And those are all good things. And then we thought, you know what, maybe, maybe before we get to all of that and really go full throttle in that direction, we, we need to spend some time growing. Maybe we need to spend some time preparing our hearts and our church for greater impact that God has in store for us. And so again, it's that conviction that has shaped what our year is going to look like that we're going to talk about together. But, but first I want to look at Psalm chapter 1 and use it kind of as a guide and help us have some context for this idea. So let's read Psalm chapter 1 together. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So Psalm 1 is teaching us about life with the Lord, but you notice it's not using commands. It's not saying, do this directly, don't do this directly. Rather, it's uh, implying that it's painting a picture for us of, of two opposite paths, right? Two directions that we can head in life. One is the way that is blessed, the way of the righteous, the way that is with God, and the other option is the way of the wicked or the way of sin and opposition to God. And you notice in the text that the key difference or what marks the life that is blessed by God in verse 2 is what? Someone whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. The word translated here, law, is the word Torah. Torah, which could have a range of meaning in the Old Testament, but often it's identified as a, a teaching of some kind, maybe a specific teaching, a specific command. Often the Torah, again, would be speaking of the first five books of the Old Testament. The law of Moses was referred to as the Torah. But here the idea is more general. Rather than going the way of sin and, and wickedness, the person who is blessed is one who is led by God's word, God's instruction, who is so shaped and formed and rooted by and in God's word, day and night meditating on the ways of God. And you notice the psalm uses an image to describe what that person is like. So the person who is building their life upon the word of God is like, verse 3, a tree 
planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So someone who is walking in God's ways, rooted in God's word, is like a tree, alive and vibrant and producing fruit. This would be particularly striking in a Middle Eastern climate that was dry and hot and arid, to have this picture of a tree that was alive, fruit-producing, prosperous, even when the surroundings, even when the climate wasn't necessarily conducive to life. The person who's rooted in God's word would be vibrant. And the contrast to this path, to option A, the blessed way that is like a tree, is verse 4. In contrast to the picture of a tree, we have the wicked, it says, that are like chaff that the wind blows away. So it's another agricultural term. But instead of a tree that is vibrant and alive and producing fruit, the other option, the other path, is like chaff, it says, which was an agricultural term, which was the kind of hard, dry, external husk on grain. As grain was harvested, it would be smashed, and the external husk would be tossed into the air, often in, in a windy area, and the wind would blow away the chaff because it was dry and worthless, not good to be used for anything. And so there are the two images that someone presents us. A tree or chaff. A vibrant, living, fruit-producing tree or this dry husk of grain that gets smashed and tossed away and is good for nothing. And so the implication is clear. We want to be like the tree. Right? If we had to choose two options, would anyone choose the chaff? No, we choose, we, yeah, let's, let's take the tree route. We need to realize that this isn't just an Old Testament idea. This isn't just like a Psalm 1 thing, like, oh, a tree and fruit, that's interesting. It's not the only place it shows up in the Bible. Maybe you're familiar with John chapter 15, Jesus teaching about life in him, and he says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's that image again of a tree, or in this case, a vine, and branches connected to it and bearing much fruit. The person who is connected to the Lord will bear fruit. And we can look to other parables that Jesus taught where he uses the imagery of plants and trees and fruit or lack of fruit. We could look to Galatians chapter 5. Maybe you're thinking of that now in the New Testament, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. So the Bible again uses this image of if you are connected to the Lord and have his Spirit in you, you'll start to see fruit, results, things coming out of you because of that connection. And so we see that image, that language, that picture throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, repeated over and over again. This is what happens when we know the Lord. But we have to ask the question, okay, what exactly is this fruit that we're talking about? How would we define what fruit is and what we should be seeing in our lives? Because it's easy to misunderstand this and say, well, I guess then I'm just going to be successful in every endeavor and I'm going to make a bunch of money and climb up the corporate ladder 
be real successful. That's what fruit looks like or fruitfulness looks like. But that's not really what the text is getting at. Right? Instead, we see that fruit is some kind of result produced in us, through us, because of our connection with Jesus. And so this could be good works flowing out of us, love for people, service for people and our community flowing out of us, God accomplishing his plans through us, making disciples, sharing the gospel, helping people know him, feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, external things. Fruit, though, also could be internal change and transformation, right? The fruit of the Spirit. We'd start to see more love and joy and peace and patience and kind of so on in our hearts. God changing us and producing these virtues, these character traits that weren't necessarily there before. Now they're coming out of us because of our connection with Jesus. So think about it this way. We've talked about this before, I think. What does an orange tree produce? Oranges. What does an apple tree produce? Apples. What does a grapevine produce? Grapes. Sorry, a tree produces what it is. And so, if we're talking about a Jesus vine or a Jesus tree, as the text is, what would that tree or vine produce? Jesus. Right? It would produce more Jesus, more of the character and heart of Jesus in us, more of the work and service and love of Jesus extending through us to the world. So if we are connected to Jesus and we're a Jesus vine, there's going to be more of the life and character and heart and action of Jesus flowing through us out into the world. And I think we want this, right? Like if you are a Christian and you're here today, you want this. I, don't, I haven't met anyone who says, you know what, my goal for this year is to be completely unproductive, to be completely unfruitful, to waste my time, to watch more reality TV, to eat more fast food, to make bad choices, to be a general crummy Christian, right? I want to be a worse person this year than I was last year. I don't think most of us think that way or want that. We want to see fruit in our lives. We want to be used by God. We want to be more like Jesus. But the question becomes then, how does this happen? How do we get this fruit? How do we produce this fruit in our hearts? And I think often the biggest error that we make to approaching this conversation today is that we just expect instant fruit. We expect overnight fruit. Because we don't live in a culture that's primarily agrarian with farmers all over the place, that most of us don't live in that context. And so the, the metaphor and the image of farming and fruit, and we're kind of removed from that a little bit. And so we're like, well, if you want fruit, Matt, we can drive down to Rayleigh's right after the service. You can buy all the fruit you want. It's right there, right? We can get it quick. Or I have an Amazon Prime membership. They do free next day delivery. So can we like order this fruit online or something? You know, they have drones flying around and they'll just, you know, drop it off at your door nowadays. It's crazy. Or, or we'll say, you know, can we like manufacture this fruit and like build it in some factory somewhere and get it here uh, the next day? Right? We expect instant fruit, instant results, instant change overnight. But the problem 
is that that's not how fruit grows. That's not how fruit grows. So think about it. If I take this tree, which I brought from home, this is a French prune tree, which needs to be planted uh, soon, probably <laughs> today. Uh, but okay, think about it. If I take this tree and I plant it today, what am I going to see on it tomorrow? Nothing. Jordan, nothing. I'm not going to see anything, all right? What about the next day? Nothing. The next day, nothing. Fruit takes time. Or maybe we'll see, you know, things start to bud and spring out a little bit. But true, real, valuable fruit will take time. And even if we give it a stern talking to, right? I could go out the next day and be like, look, you need to produce fruit. Get to it. What are you doing, man? Come on. It, it, it's not going to matter. What if I say, other trees are starting to talk, man. The other trees, are they're worried about you. We're not seeing the fruit, so we need to get with it, okay? It's not going to change. It's still going to take time. Sometimes this process, process can't be rushed. But sometimes what we do is we want to rush it. And so as a church, as individuals, try and fast-track the process. I think we've talked before about trying to duct tape fruit on the tree. We're like, oh, no, there's no fruit. Get some... There's a piece of fruit, look. Or staple it on the tree. Look, ah, fruit, that's great. We try and rush it, and we, we mistake activity for fruit. We mistake busyness for fruit. We say, well, a healthy Christian is going to be active and busy. We just got to get people moving and doing stuff, and that's what a healthy Christian is. That's what, that's what a healthy church is going to look like, just being really active and doing more service projects and more Bible studies. But it's possible to be busy and not healthy. It's possible to be active, but not fruitful. We get the cart before the horse sometimes, right? And we say, well, we expect fruit, so let's just focus on the fruit rather than what we should be doing, which is focusing on the tree. Saying, well, is, is the tree healthy? Because if the tree's healthy, fruit's going to grow. If the tree's healthy, fruit is going to grow. So maybe we need to not ask as many questions about rushing the fruit and instead start to say, well, is the tree healthy? Is the tree being cared for in such a way that fruit is naturally going to grow and come out of it? And so our original plan, again, as a church, as our staff was praying and talking, was like, let's just, let's go. Let's, let's do more outreach. Let's do more evangelism. Let's do more events. Let's do more intentional uh, inviting and neighboring and all of this. And those aren't, those aren't bad things. And this year we're going to do plenty of outreach and different things throughout the year still. We're saying maybe if instead of focusing here and so much of our energy and attention there, we need to say, let's, let's spend a year focusing on the tree. Maybe we need to spend a year growing, preparing our hearts, making sure that the tree is healthy so that we'll see more fruit, more impact down the road. So we can't put the cart in front of the horse. We have to go about this the right way. And healthy fruit requires healthy trees. Now to clarify, I'm not saying let's just wait until things are perfect and then we'll move out. Because if that's the case, then we're never moving out. If that's the case, we're never going to do outreach. We're never going to share the gospel. So I'm not saying things have to be perfect, but there can be seasons where we intentionally spend more time preparing, making sure the tree is healthy so that we'll see fruit. So let's think back to Psalm 1 and think about what is it that makes a tree healthy? 
What is it that makes a tree healthy that leads to fruit? Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but, but, verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. So the person who delights in God's word, who meditates on God's word, whose heart and mind is so filled with God's word, shaped by God's word, formed by God's word, the person who is rooted in the word of God, so saturated with scripture and God's ways that we can't help but have fruit come out of us. Same thing, think about John chapter 15. Right? How does the vine and the branch bear fruit? It says, if I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, you're going to bear fruit if you stay connected to me. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, that's how your life's going to produce fruit. So sometimes we, we think the opposite and we get things backwards. And we say, well, you know, I, I have to please God by bearing this fruit. So I have to bear fruit and get to work and be active and love people and do all these good things. If I, if I show the fruit, then God's going to let me into his family. Then God's going to be like, hey, you're good to go. But the opposite is true. Right? It's the connection to Jesus that leads to the fruit. And so it's by embracing the gospel that we start to bear fruit. We say, you know what? I am saved, forgiven of my sins because Jesus died for me. Then he rose again to give me new life. And now I have this new heart and his spirit within me. And I've been adopted into God's family. I've been justified by faith. I've been saved from, from sin and death and hell and judgment by the work of Jesus. Not by works. I didn't earn it. By God's grace, he gave it to me as a gift. And so now I am connected to the vine. Now I am rooted in the word and the ways of God. I have a relationship with God. So now fruit will start to be evident in my life. So we have to start there with the connection to Jesus. We're not going to bear fruit on our own. And so our staff team thought, well, if that's true, if that's how fruit grows, Staying connected to Jesus, making sure that the tree is healthy and rooted in God's word and in God's ways, then how are we as a church going to foster more of that this year? How are we as a church, what are we going to do as a church to see that happen in our lives together? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we have a few initiatives, few things that we're going to roll out this year or adjust some of the way we do things. Uh, so that we see more of this taking place. And so what I'm going to do just for the next few minutes is talk about some of those practical steps, things coming up, things you're going to be hearing about more at the church that's going to help us grow, help our trees essentially be healthy so that we'll bear fruit. So the first thing, the first area we wanted to address in this conversation is we want to make sure that, that personally uh, we know Jesus and that we are growing in our faith prioritizing our commitment to the Lord, that each of us individually are growing to understand what is the gospel, what does it mean for my life, what does it mean for my uh, relationships here and now, what does it mean for my eternity. And so one of the ways that we wanted to address that, saying let's make sure we are reading our Bibles. 
Very simple. We said, let's make sure we're all reading God's Word regularly. And so we want to roll out a, a church-wide uh, reading plan that we're all going to do together for those that, that opt into it. You have some cards on the seats when you came in that kind of outlines what the reading plan will look like. We're going to read through the whole New Testament this year as a church. It's roughly just one chapter a day, about five readings per week. It's not uh, overwhelmingly difficult. And I realize that some of us are already actively reading the Bible, and that's great, but, but some of us aren't. And some of us maybe have never read through the Gospels or never read through the New Testament uh, for ourselves. And so this is an opportunity to do that, to engage in God's Word in an intentional, focused way. And I've referenced this study before, but a few years ago, uh, Willow Creek, a church in Illinois, kind of a bigger church, did some research. They wanted to, to study and learn how do people grow? Uh, what are the sorts of things that are leading to people's spiritual growth? And so they talked to a bunch of different churches and a bunch of different people in those churches and a bunch of different pastors at those churches and asked some questions and did some surveys and got some results. And they found that there was one thing, one thing, that, that far and away contributed to people's spiritual growth more than the others. And these pastors said, you know what? If we could get our people in our churches to do just one thing, if there's one thing and one thing only we could get them to start doing, it would be this. And, and it wasn't giving to the church. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily joining a small group. It, it wasn't necessarily uh, watching more Netflix or eating more McDonald's or things that, you know, we would all assume maybe it was that. Um, just kidding. The, the one thing they found was that they would want people to read their Bibles. People reading God's Word more than anything else leads to spiritual growth, which makes perfect sense when we think about Psalm 1 that we just read, right? Psalm chapter 1, who is the person that is blessed, that is like a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit, the person who meditates on the Word of God, who delights in the Word of God, who is so shaped and rooted and formed by the Word of God. That's who's going to bear fruit. And so it's not like Willow Creek and a bunch of pastors a few years ago finally like cracked the code, you know, and, and figured it out. It's like we've discovered what leads to spiritual growth. It's like it's, God's told us for, for a long time. And so we want to be a people that, that take this commitment seriously to engage with God's Word. We're committed to it uh, in our preaching on Sunday mornings. It's a big value of ours, biblical preaching. Uh, but it needs to happen in our personal lives and in our homes, right? That we would be a people who have our convictions formed and shaped by the Word of God. And here's the deal. It's, it's easy. It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to start to be formed and shaped more by voices in our lives, by voices in our culture, by little quippy things we read on social media or things in the news. We, we are bombarded with messages constantly about what is true and right and good, what the good life looks like. And we need to be people whose convictions are formed and shaped not by all of those things, but by the Word of God. We need to be people whose convictions are formed and shaped by God's Word. And then we'll be able to construct a, a filter by which we can evaluate the different messages and things that we see in the world and the things that we hear. Not all of them are going to be bad, but we're going to need to be able to think through how does this thing that I'm hearing line up with Scripture? 
and evaluate the messages that we're receiving and hearing from the world. How do they line up with what God has to say about it? And so this is a simple step for us to, to do that, to grow in that area. And so the plan is just to take a few minutes a day, five days a week, and reading about a chapter a day, sometimes two chapters, and taking a few minutes to pray and reflect and meditate on what you read. Uh, and we, we have the time for this. Right? I, know, I know a lot of us are busy. Some of us are more busy than others in this season of life, but we all have time for this. I mean, if we have time to post a picture of our dessert on Instagram, we have time to spend a few minutes in God's Word. Okay, we, we have time for it. And so, you have the hard copies there that I encourage you to take with you, place in your Bible. Uh, but one other thing I want to invite you to do is, if, you're, if you want to do this, if you want to opt in and join us on this journey, I want you to get your phone out right now. This isn't a trick. Okay, get your phone out right now, and there's a, a phone number on the screen. Okay, what I want you to do is send a text message, if you're in, to that phone number. Okay, and the text message has to have your name on it. So I'm, I'm going to do this with you, okay? Join it in, phone's out in church. Go to that number, 707-400-6321, and type in your name, Matt Scrayback, and hit send. And what, just so you know, what this is going to do is going to put you on a list saying, hey, I'm in, and you're going to get text message reminders about the plan. I should mention that beforehand. You're going to get text messages reminders in the morning saying like, hey, the Bible reading today is Matthew chapter 1. Hey, the Bible reading is Matthew chapter 2. And you'll get a reminder in the morning each day so that we can all stay aware of where we're at so that we can be in this together. So go ahead. If that's you and you're opting in, if there's someone around you that's not doing that, you know, give them an elbow, maybe throw some shade their way, kind of Gently peer pressure them into this really good practice in their life, okay? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But um, yeah, I would love for you to join us in this journey. And, and one other thing, uh, for whoever does text that number, we're going to take the list of people and we're going to do a drawing and just pick one name uh, from that. And we want to give away this uh, study Bible to that person. So if you don't have a study Bible, well, one, this is your chance to get one. But uh, even if you don't win it, would really, really encourage you to pick up a study Bible. Uh, probably just the simplest one-stop shop resource to understand the Bible better. Because a study Bible not only will have uh, the text of the Bible, it'll have uh, commentary, it'll have uh, scholars and pastors that have uh, worked on interpreting this and, and written little uh, things running throughout that say, hey, this verse or this word uh, might not make sense, so here's kind of what it's trying to get at, or here's culturally what this is trying to say, or here's what this might have meant in its original context, or here's, again, how to understand this particular word that we don't use very often. And so it's really helpful, just a quick way to say, oh, that verse was kind of strange, I have no idea what that's talking about, and see if there's some notes there that could, that could help you uh, understand it more fully. There's maps and charts and uh, summaries of different books of the Bible, so it's just a, a really good resource to have. This one is the the NIV Zondervan Study Bible, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, the ESV Study Bible is also a fantastic resource if you want to pick up that one. But this is the one we're going to be giving away. So again, if you texted that number, you might be heading home soon. Jordan's texted the number. Good man. You might be heading home with a study Bible sometime soon. So again, and I know maybe some of you are thinking, is this really the plan? Like this whole growth thing and preparation and, 
year of growth. Like, sounds exciting, but re- like, this is the best you got. Like, re- just read, read the Bible. That's what, that's what you're giving us? The answer is yes. That's, that's what I'm giving you. Because that is the best way we can grow in our relationship with the Lord is to be filled and formed and shaped by God's word. Also to address this area of, of growing in our faith, uh, faith personally, and again, two weeks, Darren mentioned it, we're gonna have a, a growth workshop after service. So uh, yeah, after second service, we're gonna have a meal, we're gonna eat together, and then we're gonna talk about uh, the gospel in everyday life. And just talk about, okay, this message of Jesus, this good news of Jesus, what does it mean for me today? How does it impact my life now and my relationships now and how I interact with with God now and what I believe about myself now. So, so not just this is a, a future, like eaternal life, salvation, uh, heaven sort of conversation, but well, what does it mean for us now? How does it change how we live and interact and understand ourselves and God in everyday circumstances? And so we're going to have some conversations about that. And these growth workshops we're going to do uh, throughout the year, we're going to have probably about three of them this year, where we just take some focused time to talk about an important topic like this that applies to our faith and following Jesus and try and grow in it together. As we explored this, though, and as a staff we're thinking about, how can we grow as a church? What does this season of preparation need to look like? We also wanted to explore the concept of our marriages and our homes and those that are raising kids and think, how can we, how can we help? How can we encourage parents? How can we encourage healthy marriages, healthy communication? And so uh, some of the ways that we're going to try and address that throughout the year is one, we want to talk more about our home point resources. We rolled these out back in September and we haven't talked a lot about it since, but the idea is that uh, the home point resources are going to be available every week when you're here on a Sunday, but each month we're going to kind of update them with some new opportunities. And basically, these are things, little cards, pamphlets that you can grab on your way out, uh, take home with you that will be conversation starters, that will be maybe activities for you and your kid or activities for you and your spouse, things that you can do at home to encourage conversations about Jesus, talking about meaningful spiritual things in your home so that uh, what we do here and talk about here extends right beyond just Sunday morning. And again, I know a lot of us are already doing that in our homes and that's great, but this is just another tool to help, another resource that might foster more of those conversations, more of that growth in our homes that will follow Jesus together in our homes. Uh, so you're going to hear more about that too each month. I think the second Sunday of every month, we're going to have a bit of a little highlight for that during the service where we'll talk about what those resources will look like for that particular month. Encourage So we're going to keep putting that in front of people so that we would uh, benefit from those resources. We also are looking at a, a fall retreat. So a weekend retreat coming up this fall, possibly a marriage retreat, possibly a family retreat. We're not sure yet, but we're exploring that because we think it'd be helpful to provide an opportunity like that to get away, to get out of town, to, to work on some of those relationships intentionally. So more information will be coming out about that. So faith, individual commitment to Jesus, growing in our homes, our relationships with our spouses and our kids. We also had one kind of third area that we thought would be important to address. And this is an area that we don't talk about a ton in, in church world, but I think that we should. We wanted to say, are we, as a people, emotionally healthy? 
Are we emotionally healthy? Because sometimes it's possible in church world to consume Bible studies and content and like fill our heads with knowledge about God or like get really active and busy and go on mission trips and serve and help out in a bunch of different ways uh, without ever like digging a little deeper into our hearts and saying, you know, are we applying some of these truths about God to our lives? Like sometimes we, we just overlook like our emotional health and how that impacts our relationships, our relationships with our family. So sometimes it's easy to just overlook that and not address that. But we have to ask the question, are we stable, healthy people? Are there steps we need to take to work through some of our issues, to pursue counseling, to confess sin, to address some dysfunction in our homes that we kind of want to ignore, but it keeps cropping up and affects our relationships? And so one of the ways we wanted to address this was say, let's take some time in our small groups to do some different curriculum. So rather than doing a, a sermon-based small group starting in March, we want to encourage our small groups to go through some, some new material that will be about uh, being emotionally healthy and, and encourage our small groups to have some more intentional conversations about sin, about uh, being honest, with other people, about what's going on in their lives, being vulnerable before other people. And so sometimes that's scary. Sometimes that's uh, overlooked in church world. And so we said, well, what if we could, again, foster more of those conversations? I think that would make us a, a healthier church, right? If we confess sin and, and started to talk about some of the things in our hearts that we maybe haven't dealt with properly. So we're going to try and do that in our small groups. And also, in that vein, we wanted to shift the way we do our prayer nights. So we've had prayer and worship nights in the past, a couple of them throughout the year. And we've done it here, right? Where we'll say, hey, like on a Friday night, come out, we'll sing some songs and pray in groups and through some different things. We said, you know, what if instead this year, rather than that approach, we did our prayer nights in small groups? And so people are already going to small groups. You already have a night of the week set aside where you're in community. And what if for a week, that week, instead of reading uh, the Bible passage and doing a Bible study and walking through, you know, the sermon notes from Sunday or whatever that we normally do, what if we said, hey, let's use that week where all the small groups will have some intentional prayer time and we'll send out some prayer prompts and maybe that'll be a little uh, better environment for us to pray together and be involved because sometimes and coming out an extra night of the week, let's just be honest, it can be difficult. And then sometimes when you get here, like, hey, I don't know everyone here as well. I've seen that guy before, but I'm not really going to, you know, tell him all the deep, dark secrets of my heart and ask a prayer request in that way. Sometimes it's just harder to do that. And so if we're doing prayer nights in our small groups, hopefully, in theory, right, we have more trust built up with those people. We have stronger relationships with those people, and we're maybe a little more willing to, to be honest and vulnerable and share some of the things going on around our lives. And so we're going to do our prayer nights a little bit differently this year. And so the first one of those, I believe in about two or three weeks, we'll get you more information about that. But we're going to have a, a prayer week where rather than small groups, again, in your group that week, you'll do some prayer time. Um, so the Bible reading plan starts tomorrow. Okay, that's like immediately, like we're jumping into the New Testament and going. Some of these other things with the growth workshops, the prayer nights, the small group material, those different opportunities, we're going to be keeping you updated on those as the calendar rolls along and as those come up, we're going to keep uh, putting those in front of you. So for now, jumping in, reading the Bible, and, and more to come on those. 
In our backyard, we, uh, we have some raised garden beds that when we moved into the house, they were already there. And it became a fun little project for us to plant seeds and little plants in our garden bed and, and see them grow. And it took a lot of work, right, to pull the weeds out and to, to make sure it's really watered. We added some new, nice soil. We, like, tilled the soil and moved everything around. It was pretty, you know, time-consuming. Uh, and then we had to make sure, like, the, the seeds and the plants were in the right place in the planter box because, like, some parts of it got more sun, some got less sun. So it was like, well, what crops are better and more sun and what crops are better and less sun? And so we had to think through all of this. And it was a fun little project, and we did it, and it's been great to watch. But then we realized we are looking at the rest of our yard. Okay, so not the raised planter boxes, but, like, all the dirt around our backyard. We had a lot of dirt. And you just see weeds everywhere, like, plant, just shooting up. And we did nothing to make that happen. Like, we didn't work for those weeds. Actually, we've tried to pull the weeds out, and they're just coming back against what we're trying to do, right? It's like, you don't have to do anything at all, and these weeds will just shoot up. But the plants that we want to bear fruit, the good fruit, our, our cabbage and our beets and our chard, and all the good plants took work and time and intentionality and thought for whatever reason, God's set things up this way, right? Where, where real, lasting, good fruit takes time and thought and preparation and investment. Little weeds can shoot up with no work at all. They're everywhere. But, but real fruit, real growth, real impact in the name of Jesus takes intentionality. And not just to be healthy, to be a healthy tree and to grow. Again, our goal is not just that we would be happier in life, but our goal is to be more effective tools in the hands of God, right? So we want to focus on this year of growth, this year of preparation, making sure that we're healthy, which will benefit us and our lives and our relationships and our families, no doubt, but it's not stopping there. The, the vision goes beyond that to saying the following year in 2021 and in the years ahead, we want to be fruitful. We want to see gospel impact in our community. We want to be used by God in bigger and bigger ways. And sometimes, again, we get so excited about that, we forget that it's going to take some time preparing. So I invite you to, to join me on this journey this year. We're going to give it to the Lord, say, Lord, would you grow us, help us be healthy, that we might bear fruit. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your word that gives us this picture of what life with you is supposed to look like. We want to be connected to you. We want to be rooted and planted in you. And we know that when we have a healthy relationship with you, Lord, and we're pursuing you and prioritizing you, that we'll bear fruit, that you will lead us and guide us and use us. And so we pray, Lord, that in this year, in 2020, you would shape us, you would uh, uproot maybe the unhealthy weeds and things in our hearts that need to go. God, would you speak to us, change us, so that, Lord, so that we would be effective tools in your hands, that we'd bear fruit that would glorify you and be a blessing uh, to our community. So we love you, Jesus. Pray you lead us in your name. Amen.